and welcome to Murder She Read, the true crime podcast where we read books, give each other dirty looks, and drink copious amounts of wine. That is Victoria Campbell. And on my left we have the ever lovely Amanda Fall. Victoria, why are we here? Because we're sick fucks. I think <laughs> like that's the real answer. Because we both love murder and as soon as we found out we shared this true passion, we decided, why the fuck not start a true crime podcast? I mean, we've talked about it for well over a year. Look, I think we're clocking in a little under a year. No, we named this when you visited me a year ago. That's rude. (laughs) (laughs) So we might be clocking in under two years, but I think that's fine. Yeah. Better late than never. And also, like, let things simmer as they should. You don't want to take it out of the oven too soon. Is that the saying? There's a lot of good metaphors in this book that we're reading that I will bring up, but I think I took some of them and I took them too far. I cannot wait. Maybe we should tell them what our plan is. I think that's an excellent what's idea. What's the format here? All right, so here's what's going to happen. First, Amanda and I are going to have a glass of wine. Two, we're going to get into a book that we've picked for the week, um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the actual heft of the story within the book, and Amanda, who has done... My wine detective research, of course. Wine detective research is a very specific brand of research. Will do what for us? Uh, Mostly make some asinine comments. There she is. Um, Probably point out some flaws. Drink a lot when I'm not talking. Uh, No really idea. Gonna play it by ear. Well, that sounds like the perfect format (laughs) for a podcast. We're really prepared. Yeah, I think... uh, both of our time together as students has really gotten us to this point. The so, college of knowledge. Cheers. Cheers. Let's hit it. What book do we have today, Victoria? All right, Jamanda. The first book that we have is called Bloody Sunset in St. Augustine. Um, and I picked this one first because St. Augustine is a town. You and I have been what in a lot? Very drunk in a lot. Very drunk in a lot. In fact, I'd like to share a little anecdote before we get going. Oh, good. The last time Amanda Fall and I went to St. Augustine, we went to a bar we had been to, I think the time before, 10 years ago. So when we were like 22. Oh, yeah, okay. I we go back at like 29. We sit down. We're like, let's get a vodka soda. The bartender mm-hmm. gives us waters and we're like, oh, we can't be here. Whatever we did 10 years ago was bad enough that we can't come back. Memorable. That's a nice, a nice way to put it. <laughs> Semantics, I guess. So, with that said, what you should know about St. Augustine, it's a tiny-ass town. So, like... Full of pirates. Full of pirates. And also... That's not a joke. It's literally full of pirates. There's a pirate museum. Yeah, we've been there. There's a pirate ship. I don't know if we've been there. We don't need to be on that. No, probably not. But there's, like, a million people dressed like pirates. Um, My first visit to St. Augustine was actual pirate convention week, and we didn't notice... <laughs> Until well into the night. When there were three Jack Sparrows standing behind us, and we were like, oh, time to go home. Yeah. Um, But so the point is, St. Augustine is a really quirky town. Um, They've got... Where is it? That's an excellent question, Amanda. I'm so glad you asked. Uh, St. Augustine is in everyone's beloved handgun-shaped state, Florida. Um, It is on the... Atlantic Ocean side, not our little golf bud, um, but it's right below Jacksonville and above Orlando. So in between those two ideal towns. That was a nice way to put it. Yeah. I've lived in Orlando. You lived in Jacksonville. So in the middle, we have a very odd fusion of those two. It's like when the winds meet and a hurricane happens, but with us. Yeah, and also a lot of. Is that how hurricanes of, work? No, but no. <laughs> I'm not a meteorologist. And neither are you. No. Uh, so here we are regardless. But yeah, so St. Augustine's small. Um, it's gossipy as hell and uh, a lot of pirates. And I think, Amanda, you have one fun fact about St. Augustine I do for us. have one fun fact. 
Um, but also, I think it should be noted, especially for our story, that on top of the fine layer of trash that exists in St. Augustine, there's also a ton of money. Like, there's a lot of wealth there. So that's definitely going to come into play. Um, so it's not just pure garbage, Not I guess. just straight Florida, as we yeah, like yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, St. Augustine, fun fact, was the location where the first St. Patrick's Day celebration was held. And why do you think this came to be? Because there's not, as a very Irish person, this is not something that we're known for or something that I tether my horse to. You know, I'm sure we could have looked this up, but my guess is the pirates got drunk and thought that they should celebrate the Irish. I don't know. I'm sure there's a bar fight involved. I am certain there was a bar fight involved. And then that is history with Victoria and Amanda. <laughs> Well, speaking of bar fights and perhaps just violence in general, shall we get into it? Let's do it. All right. I want to tell you a number of things that I garnered from this book. And Amanda, please jump in and give me your insight. Give me your info. Give me all of your bits. Oh, I'll give it to you. Oh, of course you will. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I want to take us down a little time capsule. And by down, I mean maybe into one, put it underground. Not sure. Um, To January 23rd, 1974. Oh, we're going straight there. We are going into it, Amanda. Okay. Um, All right. So what I will tell you guys about this book, uh, my favorite thing that the authors do, who I'm sure are perfectly lovely people, but they apologize for their grammar in the intro. Um, So it really, what I've always heard is that you're never supposed to apologize while you're publicly speaking. So I think it's worse to put it into print. But so that's the taste you have in your mouth. Well, I think that if you have to apologize for your grammar, you should have a podcast and not a novel. (laughs) How dare you? I did have one little bit about the book before we get into it. I think I found this on Wikipedia. It was described as a work of fiction intermixed with facts from the case. Well, shit. I treated <laughs> this like it was straight facts. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say versus what I, I could have to told say. you that, but I thought it'd be more fun this way. Of course it is. Surprise me. Hit me in the face with your information. Absolutely. All right. So when we're getting into this book by, again, Nancy Powell and Jim Mast, police call this murder that we're going to discuss on this episode, one of the most vicious attacks on an individual in the city's history. So Amanda, who was our murder victim? Our murder victim was Athelia Ponzo Lindsley. Absolutely. And what do we know about Athelia? Athelia was originally raised on the Isle of Pines. Where's that? Uh, outside Cuba. Oh. It's no longer called the Isle of Pines, but there is a different Isle of Pines that I did a lot of research on. Turns out, separate island. Um, I would have believed you either way. <laughs> from what I recall, I believe there was like a Castro situation that they had to then exit the island. It would help to know where they lived. Was it Atlanta? I think they lived in Jacksonville. The whole time? Yeah. Huh. That could be true. I have no idea. Anyways, so Athalia moved with her sister to New York when they were 18. Um, they... I don't know. All of these notes are weird. And Oh, 1937. Moved to New York City. She was a powers model. She was a regular on Winner Takes All. And then she turned 30 and they told her to get out because your career's over. I think that's where we stand right now. Well, I'm 31. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to know that not much has changed. Um, she dated Joseph Kennedy for a while, but then he died in the war. I heard that. Did you hear about the two gifts that he gave her? No. A fucking... Show, dog, poodle. Okay. And a giant ass diamond ring. Well, I'd take either of those, I would probably take a Kennedy, even though we all know it doesn't end well for them, but at least you get the poodle. Um, 
My notes does say that she gave up at 30 because old, so old. That's fair. That makes sense. And then she moved to Jacksonville to care for her mother. All right. Well, I heard that before she hit it all the way back down to Jacksonville to take care of old mom, she maintained, and this is a direct quote from the book, uh, her good looks and blade-thin waistline. Hi. Hey, hello, Athalia. Do you think she was doing it in a bikini with a tire attached to her? Yeah, or? 10 for 10. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so she comes back to Jacksonville, um, but she'd made a lot of money as a model, right? Right, as one does. Yeah, uh, maybe, do they? I have no idea. She was engaged to a Kennedy. That's fair. Um, so she comes back to Jacksonville to care for her aging mother, and then they move down to St. Augustine. They sell the family's big estate, okay. and they buy this different house on a street called Marine Street, where this murder is actually eventually going to occur. And as we said in the beginning of this lovely episode, Amanda and I have also spent a lot of time on Marine Street as my parents lived there. Don't stalk them. Don't find them. Or do. Don't hurt them. Um, So our story starts, as I said, on January 23rd, which is the Chinese New Year. It is. Um, Athalia goes to lunch with her fourth husband. Yeah, Jinx. Jinx. Jim, but everybody calls him Jinx, and apparently you two have got him very close in your research, so you're on the nickname basis with him. Yeah, uh, there's a supposed story about why they called him Jinx. I hope it's not true. Is it the dead wife? And the dead son. Why do you, oh, lay it on us. I didn't hear about I think the that's son. it. That's what it is. Well, what happened to his first wife? Uh, his son died in a motorcycle accident, and then his wife died in a car accident. He was driving and pretty drunk, but, you know, because he was the mayor. They didn't test him for that. Yeah. You know, as one does. Yeah, let him go. Let him be. Let him live. That's it. That's They think that um, maybe that's why he was called Jinx, which is really an awful way to get a nickname. Well, it sounds like something you and I would do to someone, so let it be. Not to their face. He seemed into it. Yeah, it was fine. Um, all right, so we know that they go to lunch on that day, on the fateful day of January 23rd. Um, and then they drive up to Jacksonville so Athelia can buy some exotic goods for this meal she's planning to make. Um, and the drive up to Jacksonville is about an hour, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they get up there, she does some shopping, and then they come back, they go to the post office together at about 5.30, and then Jim, um, drops Athelia off back at her car, which is still at the restaurant they originally went to, um, and then they go their separate ways. Um, fun fact about their living situation. They had separate houses. Right. They had just, well, they were in for, what, six months? Yeah. Eh. There are some reports that maybe they were trying to sell the Marine Street house. I don't know. Yeah, so it's, uh, who knows what their intent were, were or was, excuse me, with listing their homes, but they live apart and this is cause for gossip. It is. Well, they also got married after four months of dating. Oh, I didn't read that. Yeah. Speedy. But I mean, they were in their 60s. So what, it you was... hustle your bustle for that marriage? Look, I'm not there yet, but I imagine... The New York model standards, you are. I might. Um, all right, so they get married quickly then, so they're living apart, and there's all this gossip around town that, like, their marriage is already in the toilet, and that they don't get along, and that there's right. all of this pre-existing gossip about them before, again, this fateful day, as I unfortunately keep calling of it, of January 23rd. Right, I think that that was started because they wanted... To place some blame on Jinx for her murder. He was, like, apparently a suspect at some time. 
I mean, I have some thoughts on that. Well, we'll get to those at the end after we get through a little bit of this timeline, Fine, right? Fine, I'll hold a minute. Yeah, you're going to have to lay down on us about what you think happened because I, too, have some thoughts. All right, so we are at about 5.45, probably, when Athalia gets back to her house. She drives the wrong way up Marine Street, which is a one-way street, but she does it always, and people see her doing it, and they're like, oh, Athalia. Um, so it's just commonplace. Um, we've got a neighbor who sees her at 6 p.m., and then Athalia comes into her house. She opens the front door and leaves the keys in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she goes outside to gather her paper, which is when she is brutally attacked with what was originally just termed a thick-bladed weapon. Machete. Amanda... Full-on machete. Yeah, I mean, it's going to come to terms that it was, in fact, a machete. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there doesn't really seem to be another weapon of that ilk floating around. Um, so, what happens to Athelia Amanda? Do you know about her bodily wounds? Oh, you mean her almost decapitation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so she gets basically decapitated. As Amanda said, lots of defenses. Brutal, wounds. like violent, vicious attack. Uh, Very she, personal. She lost a finger in the incident. Um, so it was not like a, a clean murder, if ever one could be. It didn't seem like it was a thought-out planned. It seemed like it was very reactionary. Yeah, like a crime of passion. Oh, perhaps. Oh, hello, it's me. Um, I'm taking on the wine detective mantle. (laughs) Um, Alright, so what happens around the neighborhood as this goes down, you would think that people would see it. Marine Street is full of houses that are, like, on top of each other. But nobody sees a goddamn thing. Um, Well... Well, nobody sees it actually happen. Well, one might have. Tell us. So, are we going to get into the neighborhood dynamics after the murder, you can. Was that not in this book? I mean, there's a lot about the gossip and, like, Francis Bemis. And... That's it? Yeah. Oh, honey. All right, so Amanda's going to take the helm of this in just a tick. Well, should we? Yeah, maybe let's let's finish the murder and then we'll rewind it back. Okay. All right, so what I've got is that there's this neighbor boy named Locke. Yes, Locke McCormack. Your favorite, like, 19. The first cop that he spoke to, he said he saw it happen and identified the person who did it. But that was not in the police report. He he told this to the first police officer that was there, and then he changed his story. What I read in this book, this is interesting that we have a back and forth here then, is that Locke hears weird noises. Clapping sounds, he described them Yeah, he did. I also wrote down sound of (laughs) clapping hands. Um, (laughs) Hi. And he hears some moaning. Um, So he goes out to the yard to be like, what the fuck is afoot here? So from the book that I read, he sees a man who looks like he's chopping wood. And then he just like casually strolls off into the night. Is that what you read? Or do you have more for me? So what he originally said was that he saw Mr. Stanford. We're going to get to who that character is in a moment. He said the original one was he yelled to his mother. Uh, call the police, call the ambulance first. Mr. Stanford is hurting or hitting um, Athalia or Mrs. Lindsley. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Your book seems good. Yeah, it's clearly that <laughs> fusion of fact and You know, fiction. it's pretty thick for not having any information on the crime. <laughs> Have you looked at the size of the font, though? No, is it one word per page? It's like for the actual 30 year old people so it's like a size 36 font good 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 that's how i write my papers I know that i don't write just drunken stomping on a computer full point. um <laughs> but 
like I said, that was stricken from the record. That wasn't a part of the police report. Um, we think, we, I'm using the universal we here, thinks that his mother uh, forced him to change his story. Oh, what's his mom's relationship to Mr. Stanford? That's a lot. We're going to have to, like, deep dive backwards. Okay. So let's keep going. All right. Let's keep it on our linear timeline. Um, The other thing that I thought was interesting about the murder, and I don't know if you came across this in your perhaps more factual research than what I was unfolding in this book, (laughs) um, but when the police come and canvass the neighborhood, there's this old man who says he was sitting on his porch uh, on a white VW, which it always is, right? It's like a Bundy. It's It's got to be a Bundy. (laughs) Are we in Tallahassee? Uh, aren't we always um with a happy <laughs> state of mind <laughs> yes um so this white vw with a bushy-haired young man inside drives by and the man yelled um for this man on his porch to call the cops a woman down the street fell out of her window did you find that i saw that it was in i saw it in an article that was like St. Augustine History News weird like archived thing. Okay, so like a lot of St. Augustine History News relevance. Uh, not yeah. a real okay. Like uh, I'm going to take that one lightly. I think I'll say the most interesting thing to me for this fact is just that I'm a huge nerd one and two, um, I was really taken by Athalia's name. Like I think it's a beautiful name and I've never heard it in common parlance. I've not either, but I've considered getting another cat and naming it Athalia. I think we're going to have to take that inside cat outside and there you go. I know they're both boys. It's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but so I looked up Athalia, and in the biblical world, oh yeah, mm-hmm. Athalia is whose daughter? Do you remember? Oh no, I don't know that. Oh, she's Jezebel's daughter. Oh. Do you know how Jezebel died? You know, I have a degree in religious studies, so you think that I would, but I didn't care much for the Bible. Oh, why? <laughs> what a scintillating... Found it mildly problematic. <laughs> well, in the uh, typically problematic way of the Bible, uh, Jezebel was thrown out of a window um, by her, like, I don't even know the real facts, but anyway, the deal is that she died um, by being pushed out of a window, and I just thought that this was an interesting tidbit that Athalia was said to have been pushed out pushed of a window. window. Just a... Hmm. Interesting coincidence. Um, I like the research you've done there. Thank you. At least something was fact. It's not the Bible. Um, Anyway, so the neighborhood goes fucking buck wild. No one can be cool. Everyone is gossiping rampantly and everybody has an opinion on what's going on. Yeah. All right. So I actually want to take us a little bit backwards. So what we know now officially is that Athalia is dead and she is killed violently. This is not something that happened, just she slipped and fell on a knife. She was mauled down by a machete. Yeah. In what we've termed a crime of passion with our very expert degrees in criminology and psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure someone would give it to us. Yeah, they can tell us. College of knowledge. Um, (laughs) They'll give us anything. Um, All right, so what I want to do is talk a little bit about the dynamics of the neighborhood. And Amanda, I think, has the most information on this. Yeah. But I will kick it off with this. Um, Athalia fights with all of her neighbors. She is not an easy woman. Not all of them. And that, I think, is an unfair statement. Oh, well, I took that directly from our book. And so, oh, wait, let me here. tack on one more thing, and then I'm going to kick it to you. Um, and that she's obsessed with the idea of someone breaking into her house. She's, like, oh, checking doors, checking windows. She is, like, A-plus bright and somebody's coming in. So, Amanda, tell us about the feuds. I'm going to take it back to 1971. Ooh, girl! That is when they, her and her mother moved to Marine Street. 
immediately she was hated by both neighbors on either side. So we have the McCormicks on one side and the Stanfords on the other. Wait, can I pause you for a second? Yeah. Uh, McCormick is the last name of Locke, right? Yes. Who originally said he saw her killer mm-hmm. and identified him by name. Absolutely. All right, keep going. Okay. Um, so their initial problem, and maybe this isn't worth saying because clearly it's not a part of that book. I was really hoping it was going to be. But the feud with her and her neighbors, the way it was portrayed in most of the research that I did was her problems with the husbands. But what I found really interesting was the one piece that I think was a little more factual that I did my research on. Um, It turns out all of the wives were leading these charges. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, the wives were not mentioned in any other articles, anything else that I read until I got a good deep dive in there. You know, it's a good wine detective does. Um, so her initial problem was with the wives. So we've got Patty McCormick and Rosemary Stanford. Or did I mix those up? No, I think Patty right. Stanford and Rosemary McCormick. They also, so both of the wives, it seemed like they were pretty friendly. They also mocked Adelia for wearing her pink robe in the yard to get her paper and to, like, take her dogs out, which I imagine is just what your neighbors are going to be doing to you at some point as you're mosing about. Yeah, I agree that they also, in the book, it said that and that she also liked to garden in her robe. Okay, I don't know that she was gardening in her robe. What sort of information am I getting out of here? <sighs> Not much. Faulty. Go on. Anyways, um... Ooh, these are notes that I wrote for myself. Good questions, Amanda. Was this just a sign of the times? A divorced child, this woman in her 50s, nothing more than a joke. Or is it jealousy for them being housewives in 1971 and having not much power? I think those are really good questions. We also know that she's, like, stunningly beautiful. I mean, she was a model. Yeah, she's a stunner. She's got that blade thin waistline. We keep she got about. that Powers model money. Yeah, she do. She yeah. Do. She got she that was Kennedy ring. Beautiful. I think it was jealousy. I bet it was. This Florida. You gotta look over somebody's fence and be jealous. Exactly. Um, they took her to court for disturbing the peace. With the dogs? With the dogs. And the goats? Not the goats. Just the dogs. Um, Rosemary McCormick actually got... We're flashing ahead a little bit here. We're now in 1973. Um, so Rosemary McCormick got a warrant for her arrest a few days before her mother died. For disturbing the peace. Okay, so Rosemary takes this warrant out against Athalia. Yeah. She had, in the the initial complaint, that she had brought, or Rosemary and Patty had brought her to court several times. She ended up boarding, like, four of her dogs. These were small dogs. Like, they were old, mostly. So we're not talking, like, golden retrievers. No. These, like, they live in the garage. They're not, like, kept chained outside all day. Okay. But, whatever. Um... (laughs) Oh, I have not all bad in 1973. She met former mayor, James Lindsley. Ooh, 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 James. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, well, I do like that. Uh, so with the fuse that were going on on both sides, Athelia took it out on the husbands, which I think is genius of her, because what can she take from the housewives? They have literally nothing going for they them. They have nothing in their names. So yes. she wrote a strongly worded letter to, uh, I think McCormick was something in the Army, Navy, something rather. Wrote a strongly worded letter to his superior. Nothing came of it. So she turned her attention to Alan Stanford. Okay. Um... As part of their feud, she had two trees on their property line cut back. Oh, shit. 
better better killer. She then planted ten foot tall bamboo. <laughs> My father's done this. <laughs> the city had removed uh I forgot an obstruction. <laughs> just an obstruction. <laughs> it's basically it's a lot of conjecturing though. So obviously, like we've got the court documentation. We do have a lot more coming up where she now starts to go to public meetings and air her grievances to crowds, which I think is fun and maybe we should start doing. I could do that, right? Do you want to go on my porch? <laughs> Just some signs and some screaming? Yeah, a lot of yelling. Okay. All right. Pause the podcast. We'll yeah. be back later. You guys, if you hear anything, it's from outside. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, so Alan Stanford was her main target and he was a horrifying idiot. He was... As the city manager or county commissioner, whatever it's supposed to be, I'm pretty sure it's city manager, he is supposed to hold a civil engineering degree and also have passed the board certification. He's done neither, right? Um, neither, not a one. Okay. But somehow still has this job. So we could do it. You know, I don't think anymore. Okay. Maybe but in like 75? No, probably like 71. We got to go back before the murder. We're also women. Oh, we couldn't do shit in 71. Right. Go on, go on. <laughs> Um, so just a little bit about him as the city manager. He earned more than double what any other city employee made. How the fuck did he do that? Which at the time was $20,000. What do we look like in today's gold? $100,000. Well, shit. Everyone below him made six grand. Six? Uh-huh. Oh. He also had a 150% turnover rate for his department. Seriously. He fired a lot of people. It sounds like it's not going great over there. <laughs> it's not fantastic. <laughs> and I know that you've driven in St. Augustine, so we know the conditions of those roads. Yes, Pothole Nation. There's a reason for that. Tell me. I mean, I'm sure that they tried to fix it. I'm sure they fixed most of them. So, typically, roads are supposed to be six inches thick. Oh. The roads that he was signing off on were one to two inches thick. What? A scammer. Uh-huh. But he doesn't have that civil engineering degree. He doesn't know any better. Uh He's a full-on idiot. So Athalia catches wind of this. Okay. And is like, hello, ammunition, here we go. So in 1973, she went to a public county commission meeting. She voiced a threat that Stanford had made to her a night before. A couple nights before. And I read about this, but tell our dear listeners, what did that asshole say? Oh, you know, I didn't write it down verbatim, so hopefully you've got it. But, (laughs) don't give me that look. Uh, So she was having a party, some friends from Jacksonville came down, and Stanford pulled up as everyone was leaving and waved her over. So she went over, and he said something along the lines of, you are a vile, evil woman, and I will fix you. Oh, I read that he said that he would kill her. No, I'm pretty sure it was fixed, because she went to the meeting and said what it was. So this is an actual. Okay. Well, I've got the fictional account <laughs> You do here. have the fictional account. you got to dress it up. Anyway, so she went to the meeting, told everyone what he said to her. It was struck from the minutes oh. of the meeting. Why? Well. To incendiary? Probably. Okay. But then it was re-added as an addendum after her death. Oh, Interesting. Which then, just in and of itself, is suspicious yeah, at that best. Yeah, that's very questionable. Right. Um, she then goes on to bring up his lack of credentials, which we just talked about. The chairman of the board ignored her, basically said, we trust him. Just because he works for us? Yeah, like, I'm picking him over you, sit down, you crazy bitch. 
I mean, I'm sure he maybe used those exact words. It's Florida. Of course he did. <laughs> Florida in 73. It's hard to say. So she reached out to the executive director of the Florida Department of Professional and Occupational Regulations. That I had to write down verbatim. That is a long name. Ooh. Get an anagram. Basically, she was not backing down. He was threatening her. She was coming for him. Well, good. Get it, Athalia. Right? So at another public meeting, she accused Ellen of putting sugar in her gas tank while I, she was on vacation. That was mentioned in my book as well. That part might have been true. What happens if you put sugar in a gas tank? Do you know? Call my husband. I will. Zachary. <laughs> <laughs> Young Zachary, will you tell us? Um, not a clue. I think it, like, ruins the engine? Has to be fixed somehow, right? You definitely can't drive with sugar in your gas tank, it sounds I imagine. Bad. yeah. Anything Listeners, do you know? Can you tell us? Go to our Instagram. <laughs> um, okay. So, we are now at the day before her murder. Okay. Day before her murder, she attends another meeting. She had been interviewing current and ex-employees of Alan Stanford. Oh, so she's building a fucking case against him. She is full-on wine detectiving herself. Look at Amanda, we found your other A-name originator. Oh, so she brings up the roads again. He tries to deny that this was true, but they look back in meetings, or like in the minutes of meetings prior, and he had admitted it in a prior meeting that, yes, the roads that he had signed off on were two inches thick. Does he not think that they're recording everything he says as county commission? He doesn't seem bright. He seems... We're going to get into how not smart he is. All right, keep going, keep going. Um, so it's January 23rd, 1974. Oh, I forgot to mention, when she was interviewing past and current members of his uh, staff, she got Clyde Woolover on her side. Clyde Woolover? Woolover. Like pull the wool over his exactly. eyes? Exactly. Thank you. He was on Athalia's side. He was like, fuck yeah, this dude sucks. He doesn't deserve to have this job. I make six grand. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I so poor? Um... The next day, he gets fired by Alan Stanford. Oh, no. Alan says it's unrelated. Alan is playing some dirty dice Alan's over here. Alan's an idiot if he thinks that anyone's going to buy that it's unrelated to Clive standing with Athalia. Not only does he sound like an idiot, he sounds like somebody who thinks he's, like, above the fucking law. Oh, we're going to continue on that note. Okay, let's go. So, it's 4 p.m. Thomas Murphy and Elmer Emmerich, maybe that's his name, I think it is, Two investigators from the Florida State Board show up unannounced at Alan's office. Okay. They want to discuss Athelia's letter that she had written. We talked about that big, long Florida occupational something, rather. And he, they want to investigate his credentials. Oh. It's not good for Alan. Is Alan pissed? Alan is livid. Okay. But he's so cool during the meeting. He's totally cool. What he does is try to play the good old boy's card and say, you know, my neighbor, we're in this feud, she's a crazy bitch, you understand. She's just railing after me because she's psycho. And are the other boys buying it, or are they pushing No, not one fucking bit. Okay. They're like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever, we're still doing our investigation. So Alan knows he's fucked. He's gotta know he's fucked. He doesn't have the degree, he doesn't have the board certification, he doesn't deserve the job that he has, and the state board is here. It's not his local Kahootman that... You know, they're all all friends and... And you don't go to church together, you don't play golf together. And he went to a large church. I read a lot about that church. Yeah. I can't wait for it. 
So after being informed that he was breaking state laws by misrepresenting himself in a public position, Alan continues to throw Thalia under the bus. So at 5.15, the investigators leave. They head to Marine Street just to see where Alan and Athalia live. They just want to do a drive-by. I'm sorry. This isn't the day of the murder. This is the day of the murder. Oh, my God. By 15. That's like right before she gets back from Jacksonville. Uh-huh. Okay. The street's quiet. There's no cars in her driveway. No one's there. They're going to go the next day to question her. Or to just do a general meeting. She's yeah. not under any sort of attack by them. At 5.30, they get to the house. Like I said, no one's there. Quiet. They turn around, they go to the Holiday Inn that they're staying at. At 6.08, so this is now 38 minutes after both detectives agree it was 5.30 when they drove past. 6.08, Locke McCormick called the police. Uh, he's the only eyewitness to come forward. Locke told the first officer on the scene that he had shouted to his mother that Mr. Stanford was hitting Mrs. Ponsell. Um, and that's, that's the lead up to it. Wow. Well, it sounds like, even before we get into talking about any of the trial, it sounds like Alan Stanford is a pretty fucking good you suspect. Think? Well, neighbor boy saw him. <laughs> well, and also he did say the suspect walked south in the yard towards the back of Alan Stanford's yard. And that's where the blood trail went. All right. Well, I am ready to buy that Alan Stanford did it. No. I think I'm going all the Are way you? with this one. I mean, I'm not a smart girl, but I would say that the facts would tell me he's probably guilty. He's definitely guilty. All right, so Amanda, my question for you is, did you read about the trial at all? You know, I skipped it. It seemed pretty boring, but I did. You're not wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I did read about the evidence and the crime scene investigation, which wasn't really a crime scene investigation because it was the St. Augustine police who had had no experience in this. And, and how did they fuck it up? Well, they walked through everything. They did. One of them they was trailed so... trailed blood everywhere. One was so disgusted by the amount of blood that was around that he, he fucking hosed that shit down. He hosed off the crime scene. They tracked blood through her house. Um, but supposedly none of them had followed the direct path. That the suspect did. Oh, the But Alan that's took? still what got that evidence thrown out. Right. So there was blood found in the yard. There was blood found inside Stanford's garage, which somehow that got thrown out. Was it because the warrant didn't say specific rooms? Yeah, there was an issue with the warrant. There were also footprints, I believe, in a specifically sized shoe leading from Athelia's house to Stanford's garage. Sounds right. Um, there so was also blood found. So Alan Stanford claims that he went home changed his clothes, chugged a gin and tonic in the window over the sink, and then got back in his car and went back to the office. No one can corroborate that. There's no one who saw him at the office. Even his secretary? Did he have a secretary? No one saw him at the office at that time. Also, like, don't chug a gin and tonic and drive. I'd just say it. I mean, it's the 70s. Sometimes I would like to chug a gin and tonic standing above my kitchen sink. Well, that's a that's your a long choice. day. It's You've just life. found out that your life's ruined <laughs> by your own hands. <laughs> um, but so there was blood found on a pole by where his car was parked, like his assigned parking spot. So they do think he went to his office, but after he okay. butchered and also probably trying to create an alibi for himself. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. For sure. Okay, so we've got all of that in mind. And as Amanda said, honestly, the thing I hate reading the most about is a trial. 
it is snoozy. But before we get into the trial, the police identify not one, but two suspects. Amanda and I have already, as the wine detectives that we are, uh, clearly stated that Alan Stanford is a suspect. Amanda, who do you think the other suspect is? The other suspect was Jinx. Yeah, absolutely. It's Jinx. But Jinx has an alibi. He does have an alibi. And also has no reason to kill his wife. No, they're fine. They just got married. They're perhaps selling the house on Marine Street. He's not in her will. No, he's not in her will. No. So he has no benefit for killing her, and they also had no altercations beforehand. So there's nothing here that would really indicate that Jinx did it. However, the police have to investigate. Well, and they also use his dead first wife against him. Yes, they do. Which, I think just because you drunkenly accidentally kill your ex-wife in vehicular manslaughter doesn't mean you can take a machete to someone. Yeah, it's a very different wheel of the car versus handle of the machete. I think Matthew Broderick would be living an entirely different life if that were the case. Well, yes, girl, he'd be real <laughs> bad in trouble. Um, but yeah, so it's not, those two clearly don't link to each other. Um, but what I will say, the police had both men come in for polygraph tests. And guess okay. who passed? Jinx. Both of them. Well... And Amanda That's why we don't use those anymore. It's true. That's why you should never But take also, them. if you're a stone-cold sociopath, yeah, you can pass it. Well, as down. Amanda mentioned earlier, um, Stanford seemed really cool all the time. Like, whenever yeah. anybody came, he was just, like, dead in the face. Nothing was happening for him um, on an emotional level. And he so, was not rattled by those investigators. No, like, nothing they were both, him. like, thought it was creepy. Yeah, and that's what's something that we read throughout all of the trial transcripts, that he looked, like, remarkably cool. Um, despite the fact that he, as we'll learn in a minute, was on trial for murder. Um, so they both pass the polygraph, um, and the town is going nuts. Um, everybody has an opinion on what happened, as Amanda stated. Jinx has already been in the news before for the death of his other wife from this vehicular manslaughter incident. Although these two don't correlate, everybody's talking about it. Um, so everybody knows that the police have two suspects, our buddy Jinx and our not-so-buddy-ish Alan. Does your book say anything about how the evidence was recovered? Do you mean the bag of shit they found in the swamp? Yeah, the town drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting there, but take it, yeah. No, go for it. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that was mentioned. Dewey something rather. Yeah. Dewey, everyone's favorite town drunk. Everyone's favorite town drunk who probably doesn't get thrown out of the bar that Amanda and I got thrown out of. You know, I imagine maybe he did. Like, you know... What's the word I'm looking for? I was going to say cognitive spirits. That's not what it is. Do you mean kindred spirits? I might. You might. Or it could be cognitive, although I don't think we're doing much cognition at this point. No. So, <coughs> excuse me. So Dewey, our beloved town drunk, is doing his old one-two drunk shuffle. Well, there was a like $5,000 reward or something insane. Maybe it was 500 I don't know. 1973 money. A ton of fucking gold. Then And what I did read was that even though Dewey was the town drunk, he liked to take care of his family. Yes, he's a nice guy. He's not a bad guy. Yeah. He just has a minor issue. Yeah. I mean, all do. What? So he knew, as because he was a scavenger of sorts, he knew where, if someone were to throw something into the river, where the leadoff would be. Right. So he, after two weeks, found the machete a watch whose serial number matched a watch that Alan Stanford just had fixed. Uh, the shirt, the pants, and the shoes. Exactly. All of which matched receipts 
at some department store. And also from the dry cleaners. Oh. Yeah. So there's receipts from the department store, and they also match dry cleaners' receipts. So this is pretty fucking good evidence, right? Right. But when we go to trial, finally, um, are you good with Dewey? Good with Dewey. That was all I wanted. (laughs) We need to highlight You know what? I'm out of here. You finish this (laughs) up. All right. So what happens is they've got this evidence. And no one knows about it yet. It's not released to the public. So the public is still, like, full banana about who did this. We've got, like, Camp Jinx. We've got Camp Allen. We've got Allen's church backing him. They donate a ton of money. Um, to Allen! Yeah, to Allen. Why is a church defending a murderer and not the victim? Because God forgives sinners and the innocent is what the pastor said because everybody was pissed. Everybody was, like, in fury. Alan's got his balls in a lot of mouths, I feel like, is what's happening. <laughs> and everyone's licking. <laughs> so, um, we've got this, like, town-divided situation. Um, but the police decide to pursue Alan, of well, course. Duh. Well, yes, it's simple math, but Amanda, it's still Florida. We always have to I keep know. this in mind. Um, so, we go to trial. Uh, or, excuse me, he's arrested. Um he pleads not guilty, and his bail is set at $20,000. Think about how much money That's $100,000. You got those notes, yeah. That's a lot of gold. But he's like, shit, I got this. Not only do I have the church money, I've got that money I've been raking in hand over foot for the past however many years I've been city commissioner. I forgot one thing. Lay it on me. So, day of the crime, Alan went to his office at some point, probably after he killed her. But So he drives back home. The police are already there. Probably just because it's suspicious to not say anything to the police, he goes up to them and asks one question. What is it? Was she cut or was she shot? That's what he asked them? That's what he asked them, and then he went in his house, and that was it for him. Those were the two options for what had happened? She didn't fall? Just was she cut or was she shot? Which seems like a question a sociopath would ask. That is who's a question like, a I have to ask the police something. I can't just ignore the blood and the crime scene and the chaos happening next door and go inside and pretend like I don't care. But I feel like no matter how much you hate your neighbor, if you're actually a decent person and there's a huge police presence outside, you ask what happened. You seem generally concerned, right? No? Yes, and also if you're a good fucking sociopath, you better be playing the concerned neighbor, right? I mean, you can say that he was good at anything he did. But, well, he was good at lying for a little bit until Ophelia came in and blew his fucking cover off. Yeah. This is why everyone needs to fucking just stand up to assholes. Have you seen a picture of Alan? You know, I haven't. Show me his ugly face. Oh, that is dead in the eye and it- a mouth like a mail slot. You are absolutely correct. We've got a bulbous nose, we've got eyes that do not show any emotion, and mouth like a mouse slot is really something you can uh, tie your hat to, Amanda. <laughs> no problem. Um, so, alright, so we have this horrifying conversation with the police, mm-hmm. but we're at, he's finally been charged. They're charging him with a first degree murder, which is awesome. As one does. And again, people are nuts, but he posts bail, so he gets to fucking straight chill. He's in yeah. jail for like three nights, and then they let him go home. That sounds right. Um, so he's at home. He's like, as we said earlier, demeanor, cool, cool as a cucumber, excuse me. Um, and nothing is really phasing him. Uh, court starts. We've got 20 jurors. There's a lot of gossip going on within the actual court hearings. There's a lot of hearsay. Um, and then there's a lot of back and forth on whether he actually owned a machete. They also sold tickets 
to this. Yeah, it's a it's a free for all. <laughs> I didn't read anything about that. How this, many? How much was a ticket? You know, I don't know, but I'm imagining that this was St. Augustine's version of a county fair. Um, so this whole thing is a fiasco. So I didn't know they were selling tickets, but apparently they were, but it is a mess. And the only real evidence we have, unfortunately, though, is what Amanda mentioned about the bloody clothes that our old town drunk Dewey found. In the machete. And Alan had borrowed a machete from someone. Yes, he had. But he claims he returned it by just dumping it in the back of their truck. As one does in Florida. Borrowed a machete, put it back, bud. Um, but yeah, so there's no, but the issue... borrowing a machete for this? Sorry to interrupt you. I just need that answer. Well, if you asked Jim Lindsley to play devil's advocate as somebody who lived in Florida and often did a lot of uh, yard work, he frequently needed it to kill snakes. I'm just imagining, like, cutting through a jungle path. (laughs) (laughs) There's many uses. Okay. Um, But so, yeah, there's this back and forth with the machete. People are like, he had it. He's like, I gave it back. It's this whole debacle. But they can't prove it one way or another. It's basically witnesses back and forth and back and forth about it. Right. And so the only really... What about serial numbers and the receipts? (laughs) Well, the only good information we have is from Dewey, our beloved town drunk, right? Yeah, but that gets thrown out because it's Dewey. And it's out of there. No one is buying it, even though, as Amanda said earlier, he's a great guy and he really just wants to provide for his family despite his light drinking problem. It was heavy. It's fine. Um, You know, we all have our issues. If you could see her, she's pouring a glass of wine down her throat. Um, But so the way that this goes is that, Amanda, you probably know, but what do you think happens? Oh, that fucker gets acquitted. He gets right the fuck off. Court goes for, like, two weeks, and... Two weeks? That's it? And the jury finds him guilty in... How many hours do you think? Or not guilty, excuse me. I wish they found him (laughs) guilty. Um, I don't know, 45 minutes? It was three hours. Okay, they spent more time than I thought. They did, um, but he gets fully acquitted of the crime. Yeah, 100%. And I have in my notes, because of course he was, everything's awful. Yes, everything is awful, and I will even add as an additional note that later a couple of jurors are like, fuck, 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 did we make a mistake? And they go to the judge's house. They go directly to his home. And ask to talk about it again. But it's, it's too us. late. It's over. It's over. <laughs> We're like, oh, I didn't mean it. Oh. It's just, he's me, sir. Aaron Chekhovah's of things. Your Honor? <laughs> um, but so they go to his house and they're like, did we make a huge mistake? And he's yeah, like, you fucking did. But he can't be like, yes, fuckers. Like, here's a judge slap on the wrist. Don't get on a jury again. <laughs> slap to the face. <laughs> the judge just knocks them all out. Uh, but so that's basically where it ends. And, um. Amanda and I were talking a little bit about this today at lunch, um, but what happens to young Alan after he gets off? All I wanted to find was what happened to him, and I couldn't find anything, so you told me. All right, but... well, my fictional novel I read this week. Oh, so maybe that's not what happened. I imagine he lost, he had to have lost his job. Yeah, no, they, he thought he was going to get that shit back, and they were like, sir, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're not qualified. You don't have the degree. You didn't pass the board exam, and you murdered a woman. <laughs> you can't be the county manager, city manager, whatever the fuck As a was. county commissioner, you probably shouldn't be killing citizens of the county. I think with a machete, no. With pretty good math. At least, you know, cool it down. So this fucker gets off, and he uh, doesn't get his job back, which he was, like, convinced he would get back in a true sociopathic move. Mm. Um, so he moves to, you guessed it, where Amanda and my old alma mater is located, Charleston, South, South Carolina. Carolina. Smiling faces, beautiful places. And murders! murders. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes there, he gets some job working some, like, government contract at the Naval Yard, and that's it. And he lives there to, like, a ripe old age. 
81 in 2006. He died. We were there. Yeah. I mean, not there, there. We didn't kill him. Had we known, we might have, but... And we probably no, we're not vigilantes. Let's not put that out in episode one. <laughs> Let's wait for later. This is not Dexter. Um, but yeah, so he gets away with it. He moves to Charleston. He lives his life. Bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. And the only thing that I would like to tack onto this, really, before I hand it back over to Amanda, is, again, my parents live across down the street. In the house. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They live pretty close to where Athalia lived. Um, and there's this weird thing that happens in St. Augustine, so that not only are they obsessed with pirates, they're also obsessed with, like, hauntings and ghosts and, like, orbs and all of that stuff. Is this the house that's next to the graveyard now, or of no? Of course it is, Okay, Amanda, I thought so. If you look at this picture of it, I will show you. We should put these on the... Yeah, we'll put them up on the Instagram. Yeah. Um, but if you drive down my parents' street or walk down at any time at night, there's always, like, a hearse tour going by doing I this I know, really... we followed one drunkenly Excuse with solo me. cups. They follow us. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. We do look like corpses occasionally. Um, But it's really interesting, and it's... I think it's interesting that her story lives on in St. Augustine in this way, Um, and it's something that we are now talking about in 2019. Oh, there's that house. Yeah, you know what that is. Yeah. Um, I think we should also note that nine months later, our sweet Frances Bemis, who was friends with Athalia, was murdered... On a, she took a nightly walk with her dog, as also one does. Also on Marine Street. Also on Marine Street. Um, and was found dead the next morning. She was. And Amanda, what was she working on? It, it said that she was collecting evidence against uh, Alan Stanford. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he can't be brought back to trial, but she was a writer. And they think that she was writing a true crime tell-all, which at that time was getting really, really popular. And at a local level, Alan Stanford could handle the criticism because he held the control there. But if that went national, he's not going to get out of that. Yeah, he's toast. It's over for Yeah. Him. Yeah. That murder was also never solved. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say, also Alan Stanford. We're going to make a bold sweeping generalization. <laughs> so from our murder room, we say the murderer was... Alan Stanford. I agree, Alan Stanford. That's it for episode one. We are closing the book on Bloody Sunset in St. Augustine. Cheers, Victoria. Cheers, Amanda. And thank you for everybody who tolerated us for the last hour. We hope you come back.